Ante Up is your poker magazine dedicated to the everyday player and their poker rooms. Pick up a free copy at your favorite poker room nationwide each month. But Ante Up is much more than a magazine. Visit AnteUpMagazine.com daily for breaking news and each week download our award-winning poker cast. Join us on our action-packed poker cruises to exotic destinations. Ante Up, it's your poker magazine. From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long. It's March 8th, 2019. You're listening to the best poker cast on the internet. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. I love, right away, Scott Long loves to date himself with the talking points <laughs> I the, what you mean. the very first word <laughs> is videotaped okay i don't even know if anybody even has a taped machine anymore or, it's hilarious and then we even use the word record now recorded but even that a record you know I, you think about the round discs back in the 70s and 80s but you know, record is also a word for you know on the record and whatever. But but still, uh, yeah, Scott says uh, videotaped. Uh, very interesting stuff. Yeah, we we are a, a VCR less family for the first time now. I donated to a Goodwill a couple weeks ago. So yeah, I I don't know. I think when I was making that decision back in like the early two thousands, <laughs> or as they call them, the odds if they the odds. Uh, but um, I think I took my little eight millimeter video camera which was digital dv8 or something they called it whatever back then and i like hooked up all these wires to my vcr and it took all of the tapes that i absolutely could not get rid of like my wedding and stuff and then i fed it through that and then through that i fed it into my computer and then i made a dvd now dvds are essentially yeah gone. that's what i was thinking of. the only the only thing that we need to convert is our wedding video which we've never watched so i don't even know why we need to convert that <laughs> but, I'm like, but what do you convert it to now i know Gonna be. It's ridiculous, and I can't believe we spent you know two minutes of the show talking well, about this. The funnier thing, too, is uh, one of our mutual friends, who I won't mention the shows, uh, BCRs are going for hundreds of dollars on eBay because they don't make them anymore, so <laughs> I thought I'd sit on a gold mine, and I go in there, I'm like, oh, very same model I had, $30. I'm like, it's like, we're posting for $30. <laughs> yeah, I think I threw mine. I think mine's on the trash heap now. I don't, I don't think I have that anymore. But yeah, that's what I did. I converted it. And now it's like now the thing I converted it to is is obsolete, ridiculous. <laughs> All right, so let's get to the All videotape. Right. Let's go to the yeah, videotape. Let's get to the item that we're talking about at some point here. A uh, player apparently upset at a dealer in a four eight limit game at Talking Stick Resort in Arizona made quite the scene this week, and of course all of it, including him being tackled. By another player wrestled to the ground by a posse of floor staff and patrons was captured on video and posted to, of course, Twitter. Yes, Twitter. It was uh, just on video. That's that's correct, right? Yeah, I but know. It, this 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 always kind of concerned me. Now, before we became who we are, which are these huge media moguls that we are. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I was always kind of worried when I was in a, in a in a casino about something like this where a guy gets really drunk or really belligerent, and then you don't know 
even if, you know, there's security that will walk you to your car and they have all that stuff and they always have, like, a sheriff or somebody at the place. or You know, there's always something that you should feel safe in these places. And I, right. and I do. I always feel safe. But you never know, especially, like, if you're in the two-seat and he's in the three-seat, he gives you a flying elbow, yep. you know, because you sucked out on him or because you outplayed him or because he misunderstood something you said and he was drunk and you weren't and you didn't say what he thought you said, but... You know, he still gives you an elbow to the eye, or or breaks your nose, or I've always worried about that. And it, it's not that I I'm worried about handling myself. I can take care of myself. It's just, you know, you always think this is a, you know, it's not like you're wearing a helmet and pads in football and if you get into a fight. Yeah, you're okay. <laughs> you know, what I mean, you got some. So that stuff always worries me. It, it makes me a little sick, a little nauseous, uh, nauseated, or whatever. I, I, I get a little uneasy, but. It's something else, and it's a four-eight limit game too. That's something. Yeah, I was gonna say the the of all things. I mean, the only thing that could make this story better is if it was a two-four limit game. <laughs> but the fact <laughs> that it was a limit game, well, I'm trying to think what could happen in a four-eight game that would set you off so badly that you would walk around screaming until somebody tackled you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, I, there's some bad beats in four-eight. Yeah, okay. Sometimes if it's a kill game, those pots get a little big. But I'm like, come on, <laughs> you know. <laughs> This is something I might expect from a two-five no limit game where somebody just lost the mortgage payment on one hand, right? Or any Omaha eight game in the world. Yes, there we go. Yes, yes, because those people are already, already amped up, yeah, angry, curmudgeons. Um, so a couple of things I thought were were <laughs> interesting. One, um, was it just me, or were you thinking of Eddie Murphy in Beverly Hills Cop when this guy was ranting? It's just <laughs> his hand. Mannerisms, the way he was talking, everything. I'm like, oh man, he's the new Eddie Murphy of the world. That's great. Well, now it's R. Kelly, but yeah, yeah. I, I, oh man, he's like crazy. R. Kelly. I'm like, I'm watching Beverly Hills Cop Four now. I think this is great. <laughs> um, and then the other thing that you know, again, that, that all we're seeing is the two videos posted by a um, uh, player who who videotaped it. Um, videotaped it. But, yeah. Sorry. That's <laughs> 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 just for you, partner. Um, but, it, you know, it, it, he was obviously very belligerent and using uh, NSW, uh, NSA, yeah, not NSFW. <laughs> NSFW language. Um, but it was somebody else that attacked him, right? Yeah. That's what it looked like to me. I mean, he didn't he didn't start any violence. He was just being a, du- a Deutsche Bank, and eventually somebody got tired of it and just tackled him. <laughs> and then I'm like... How many people does it take to corral these people? <laughs> and I couldn't really tell who they're corralling, whether it was the guy that started all this with his loudmouth Eddie Murphy routine or whether it was the, the guy that tackled him. Yeah, it, I follow him on the video. Yeah, and that's what happens when you have a posse yeah. you know, <laughs> tackling you. <laughs> like 12 people. And you almost didn't say Deutsche Bank, too. You almost said something else there. You, you were like, Deutsche Bank. <laughs> you almost said the wrong thing. Not that I think our listeners would really care if you said that word. I mean, you know. But, uh, yeah, yeah, no, that, it's something else. And the, you know that this video, or whatever you want to call it, this digital clip, is going to end up on one of those shows, like oh, on yeah. True TV someday or something. Gosh, you know? 2.0. Or yeah, it's going to be on 2.0. something. <laughs> um, but, all right, so, the, you know, we, we can laugh about it all day and... and we got a short show, so maybe we could laugh about it all day. But um, <laughs> uh, I want to go back to what you said at the beginning. I'm like, I, the other thing, if you take take the, a wide review of this, is uh, it really made me think um, how infrequently this happens. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I, I mean, or at least I don't think I've ever seen a physical it. altercation in any poker room when I've been in there. I've yeah. seen obviously a lot of heated shouting and language, and maybe some people like holding each other back. Uh, but even that, I don't, I, ha- I can't really remember too many of that. But I don't think I've ever seen a physical altercation. And you know, I've been playing pokers in, in poker rooms, po- poker and poker rooms all across the country for what fifteen years now. Yeah, at least. That's, I think that's saying something. I mean, as much as poker players get a bad rap for all kinds of other stuff and um, and for whatever reasons, but um, you know, it, it it is a safe place to be. It, it is, and, and that's why I kind of said that in the beginning too. I was like, I do feel safe. You just you just always wonder if that's going to happen to you. You know, if you're doing something that pisses somebody off or whatever. I mean, I mean, just think if 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 Mike Faso were a violent man. He might have attacked me at Binion's all those years ago, but he didn't. He just he used his words and hurt me deeply and then left. And so, you know, I mean, that could have happened. So it could have happened one more time than we can recall. But, uh, no, you're right. I, I don't recall ever, ever any kind of physical act ever happening around me. I don't play in rooms as often as you because you do it for the business and travel, but I do. You're right. I, I I remember people getting upset and yelling, and sometimes they get escorted away, or they get a table change, or something like that. But and even that's very rare. Um, guys maybe exchanging words and stuff at the table, but never ever something like what I saw on this video in a poker room. Like I've never seen that. So this was unprecedented for me. I I, I mean, it, it probably has happened before. I mean, we we remember. I don't know who it was. We had somebody on the on the poker cast back in our times days. Who told us they saw the uh, the worst thing they saw at a table was a guy got up and peed on a dealer, oh, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, so I mean yeah. that's like that right there is the worst thing that I think has ever happened in a poker yeah, room. Yeah, if, if you're looking to cause a commotion in a poker room, that's that's the high water mark. <laughs> that's it right there. <laughs> Unless you're pulling out a gun and shooting somebody, that's probably the worst thing that I've ever seen or heard of happening in a casino or a poker room. But uh, yeah, you're right. I do feel I I mean I absolutely do feel safe in a poker, especially our local rooms here. They have sheriffs in their room and. You know they're they do it right, and I'm I'm never really worried about it. But you just always wonder, like you suck out on a guy and he loses his whole stack, and you don't know his situation. Maybe he's that's his rent money, you know, and you're making a joke about felting him because you think it's just like everybody else who's there for entertainment. And next thing you know, boom, your nose is spewing blood all over the felt. Um, so yeah, but even like uh, in our own, you know, when people are on the ship and stuff, you know, and they're having drinks and stuff, you wonder somebody's going to lose it or something, but we've never had any issues either with ours either. Some people maybe exchange words or something, but everyone's on vacation on our cruise ships too. They're all enjoying themselves. So, yeah, I do feel pretty safe in a poker room though. Yeah, so and the other thing that made me think of cuz this guy obviously was upset at the dealer and then his coarse language at the dealers would cause the the uh, vig- vigilante yeah, yeah. <laughs> to take action in his own hands. But it um, it's just one more uh, somewhat hilarious reminder of how people think dealers control the cards, <laughs> and, uh, and it made me think. I don't know if you've seen your Facebook page, but a lot of, a lot of my poker dealers in my Facebook feed have been sharing this cartoon of showing this guy riding his bike, and then it, he hits a rock and falls over, and then he gets up and he's like, "Damn dealer." <laughs> <laughs> No, I haven't seen that. It's so funny. It's so, <laughs> right? I'm like, come on, guys. The dealer doesn't control the card. So. And you know in about a month, we're going to get a submission from somebody for Call the Floor. So I'm in this 4-8 game. <laughs> yes. What, 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 what would you do in this situation? Well, uh, you know, it also 
actually would be interesting. Uh, we maybe we should ask Ellie to weigh in on, um, you know, what kind of training staff gets for these kind of situations because I'm sure they do, right? Um, yeah. But it, it did seem a little. I mean, I don't know what the proper response was before the altercation. Once the altercation happened, obviously, but you know, do you? When do you stop someone that's ranting and raving? You know, do you? Is, is it better to get to them quickly and say, "Hey, come on, take it outside," and maybe risking escalating it, right? Yeah, or yeah. just letting them blow off the steam, knowing everybody else is either kind of laughing at them or shaking their head, and, and it's not that big a deal. So, I don't, I don't know what the proper. Um, procedures are for that i'm sure they're probably different in every room but well you probably have to follow the follow the gail king interviewing tactics of just sitting there and staying calm while r kelly gets up and screams the screen for 20 minutes <laughs> so I, I think that's probably it they probably just tell you hey you know i know we're probably gonna have to now verse our writers and an etiquette for interviewing people now <laughs> hey if they start to lose it like r kelly just sit there and remain calm and hope one of his posse comes over and calms him down. I mean, I mean, maybe he won a pod and someone said uh, lost a pod and someone said congratulations. Congratulations. <laughs> that, that apparently sets people off now. So. <laughs> Careful with that kind of stuff. Thank you for fighting with us today. <clears throat> <laughs> oh, I love callbacks. Uh, all right, so the Department of Justice has delayed implementation of its revised opinion on the Wire Act, which affects interstate, interstate gaming um, from April until June now. What that means is anyone's guess, as the announcement made it clear that the extension does not offer protection from Wire Act violations. Uh, Pennsylvania quickly told its online poker licensees that all servers must be located within the state now, which may affect shared player liquidity. World Series of Poker doesn't yet know whether it would allow players in other states to play in online bracelet events this year. And the Department of Justice has been sued by states, so the possibility remains that it will reverse its stance yet again. Yeah, I don't, what what do your uh, inside, uh, you know, Washington context tell you about this guy? I, I to me, I feel like um, I just I just don't know if it's going to stop anything. I I don't know if it's going to no matter what they do, whether they enforce it or not or whatever. I I just don't. There's no way that these states are going to give up their online revenue now because the DOJ. You know, they would take it to the highest court, I think, before it anything happened. So I think we're still in for a long time before anything seriously is definitive on this. Yeah, I mean, I think um, I hate the um, talking cliches, but this is whether the horse is out of the barn kind of situation here. I think. Yeah, yeah. Once they reverse that, then states quickly move to take advantage of it, and then now they're taking advantage of it, and it's it's successful in pretty much every jurisdiction that I can see so far. So now when the DOJ goes back and reverses, which theoretically would shut all that down, now you've got a lot more firepower. It's not before. It's a lot harder to to fight something that's not legal yet, right, and try to get it legal. But once it becomes legal, now it's really hard to um, go back the other way. So Yeah, we've, uh, used, we've used that language before with other things, right? We said where it's... It's it's hard. once you give. I think it's like when it was like the the healthcare act or something. We were saying once you give somebody something, it's harder to take it away from them than it is to give it to them in the first place. So it's the same kind of thing. Now you've well, given them the right too, to do it. One of the hardest things in government, I think, from from my experience in it, is getting people to visualize what you're trying to do. Right. Mm. So I mean, if you talk about any, let's take about you know you mentioned healthcare. So I mean, let's say about Medicare for all or all this any any issue like that, which doesn't exist now. 
the really hard part is getting people to understand what it looks like in practice because it's not in practice yet, right? Right, so, right. Um, but once it's in practice, now obviously some people will say, you know, we'll know now and they can make a decision on whether they like it or not or how they can make it better. But you're not trying to sell people on the idea now. Now they can see it, feel it, touch it, know it, and they become much more emboldened on either side of it. So, um and I think that's what's happened here is particularly with lawmakers, I think, you know, once they got that uphill climb to allow sports wagering or or this kind of stuff, um, now they see it and they know that they have quantifiable data, right? They got the money coming in and um, and they also can kind of sort of have some data on, on the negatives of it and make a decision. And so far, it doesn't look like the negatives are anywhere close to outweighing the positives on this so far. So. Yeah. Yeah, just have to wait it out, I guess. But I, I do see if they do reverse this, it's going all the way to the highest court, I think. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, right. I think, right, this is the, the one thing we can say for certain is this is a another very, very long fight yep. <laughs> that's taken off. So. Yep. All right, so this week's far tamer Twitter debate surrounds meetup groups wanting to film cash games in casinos, specifically player hole cards. Poker <clears throat> bloggers say meetups they host to poker rooms have the potential of bringing in lots of business and exposure for rooms willing to roll out the red carpet for them. But many rooms remain hesitant over privacy concerns for other guests. Sean McCormick, director of poker at Aria, was in the middle of the online dispute saying he welcomes meetup groups in his room and plays in them himself. And while he's fine with those groups filming their events, if, uh, quote, filming in progress signs are displayed, he says filming whole cards is a violation of gaming control board regulations and no legitimate casino would risk that. So our question today, Chris, is this another casinos need to roll with a technological advances debate or not? Uh, I think I think this is a different kind of question than, say, somebody having their cell phone at the table, you know, where that's sort of like everyone has that. Not everyone has to have a camera to, vil- to film their, you know, their whole cards or and film, of course, is the wrong word now, too. Um <laughs> But let me let me let me ask you something. I'm a, I'm a little. I read this thing from beginning to end, and I still am kind of a little confused by. It is a little confusing what what actually people are arguing about here. Yeah, I, I'm not really sure what's going on here. And the other thing is when he says like you know uh, filming whole cards is a violation of it. How how is it they're allowed to do it in other situations like the World Series of Poker with a delay? Why can't they just do a delay on it so that nobody benefits from it? And if it, if everyone in the group has agreed to it. I'm just a little confused. There seems to be a lot of different stories going on in this one sort of item, and I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of uh, up in the air about this, especially the fact that it's against gaming control board regulations. Yet we're constantly seeing streaming of whole cards and, and of course, the World Series stuff and World Poker Tour stuff, which, while it's delayed a month on some of them or whatever, and some are, if it's the live World Series final, it's delayed 15 minutes or whatever. I just don't understand this. I don't understand how it's against the regulations. Yeah, and I think that's a good point. I don't really understand that myself. In fact, actually, I, I just realized I probably should send an email to Sean McCormick and have him explain it a little better because I'm sure he would. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. Um, and that seemed to be... Um, the big linchpin for him, you know, he kept saying, Hey, I'm in favor of all this. I'm like, my hands are tied because of gaming control. And I never really saw that explained. But again, that's another reason I hate Twitter, right? You only have so many characters. It's really hard to have a, a nuanced, uh, discussion or even debate on that platform. It just doesn't work. So, um, so then if you're folks like us trying to figure out what's going on here and follow it, um, there's stuff that is probably being implied 
that's not being explained, and so we don't know. So, so for what I do know now, I mean, it is an, you know, there is a difference between if you come in as a group and bring three tables of players and you're having a party there and having fun, um, there everybody's implicitly um, agreeing to whatever that group is doing, right, including filming. So, and that was a point somebody made. That's not what they're talking about, but. Um, beyond the whole Hulk card thing, too, I think that the, the argument at the beginning of, of privacy is that if you are not part of this group and somebody is like saying they're not even a meetup group, let's just say you're a poker blogger and you want to record your play. The real concern comes in uh, with people there expecting privacy. You know, you don't you go into a poker room. That's the reason that they uh, they make a big deal when they're filming there to put these signs everywhere is that. Some people don't want to be seen or heard. And so even if you cover, as I said, even if you cover faces and not show any faces, um, you're picking up conversations that are going on and people can recognize your voice. I mean, I know that's happened to you. You've been somewhere like traveling and someone said, hey, are you Chris from Annie? Yep, just because your voice, right? Yeah, twice at least. Twice. So it's possible. So you have to be concerned about that privacy as well, too. So um, I get all those arguments. Uh, I, I think we probably are going to get to a point where this becomes kind of like the cell phone thing. I don't think it's there yet, but um, it's just becoming more popular. I mean, eh, once you let the cell phone in, right, and then the cell phones keep changing. The technolo- technology of a cell phone keeps changing, right? I mean, when we first had a cell phone, it it had 10 buttons on it, right? <laughs> yeah, and, and just one little itty-bitty screen that you didn't. It was right. going to tell you what number you called. That was it. And, uh, and now, now our our phones are like mini computers, and they 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 shoot video, they take pictures, they do all kinds of, they record, they do all kinds of other things now, and that's never going to stop. I'm like, you know, the Galaxy 10 is out now. We'll wait till the Galaxy 28. You know, who knows what that phone's going to do? So, um, so all this stuff is is around the phone. And to your point, I mean, there's almost nobody sitting at the table that doesn't have a cell phone now. Now they may not have a smartphone. I did see the guy at the part the other night, and I was like trying not to stare, but he was texting on on an old flip phone. Yeah, you know, you had to push the button three times. Yeah, to get to the C. And the, it's hilarious. And I'm like, oh my gosh, dude. Um, so you know, it's going to get to that point where I mean, um, it's not necessarily casinos too. I mean, I, I mean, what Sean mentioned was um, gaming control boards. So I mean, they're also having to revise regulations as tech. Uh, technology advances as well too so maybe that's what needs to happen here maybe there needs to be a conversation with them and players don't necessarily have conversations with gaming control right and it, it, players have conversations with casino staff and the casino staff has conversations with gaming control so um yeah i i think we're on that road at some point so you know anonymity in a casino in a poker room i i think is a endangered species um i don't know when it's going to hit that level exactly uh, and become a, a bigger thing but um, I, you need to start preparing yourself now for the fact that sometime in our lives you're not going to be able to be anonymous if you want to gamble um, one of the okay. things that I I I want to let you tell me is a casino a private or a public land area oh certainly private I mean they can just you know, they could throw you out for any reason if that's what you're asking. Yeah. All right, so it's private, but it's only private <clears throat> in the fact that the people who own the land or own the building are the ones who are expecting privacy. Is that? 
I mean, you can want privacy when you go in there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. I, to your point, yeah. I mean, I mean, ask Robert Kraft how good the privacy is. Right. Exactly. <laughs> locations, right? I'm like, you. The only way you can ensure privacy is in your own home, and they make him a day one. That's not even true either. I mean, I've seen that in 1984, right? So, um, so yeah. I mean, so there there shouldn't be an expectation, but there is. I mean, now we can take this argument in all kinds of ways, right? You know? whine about facebook taking their yeah you know hey you're violating my no you're not they're not violating your privacy you are willingly using their platform and giving them all this stuff under the illusion of privacy now obviously there's a very subtle argument in there and and what you should expect is um made public and what actually is being made public that's a reasonable argument to have but to say that you have privacy on Facebook is outlandish. You don't. Uh, to say you have privacy when you walk in a casino is outlandish. To say you have privacy when you go in a um, quote-unquote massage parlor is <laughs> outlandish. So, you know, you take a risk with that all the time if you were a private person looking to do something privately. And so uh, that's, then the reason why I brought it up was because I feel like Sean McCormack is more protecting his people and his players than it is about following... Well, I, I think he's protecting his gaming license. Right. But, I got that is, you know, hey, I mean, I know what you guys are trying to do, and I don't think it's that terrible, depending on how you do it if you work with us. But there are some things that even if you work with us, I can't let you do. And it's not because of me. It's because of the people that regulate us. And, you know, yeah, you're bringing in business to me, but the business you'll lose me <laughs> if I get fined or my gaming license gets pulled is astronomically more than that. So you have to understand that. I just don't understand why the whole cards are any different than filming faces or filming people. They, there, people get filmed in casinos every day. Every single day, there's a camera in a casino filming people for some commercial reason or for some fun reason. Every day, somewhere, so it's happening all the time. So I don't see the difference between the whole cards being seen if they're willing to show their whole cards to the cameras. If they're absolutely signing on the waiver or whatever it is that they're doing, they're complying with whatever it is. I don't see how that would get them in trouble with the gaming war control. Well, yeah, that I, I again I can't answer. I'll probably ask them and find out. But there are there are a lot of regulations that may not make sense to you or me or other players that are in place for reasons that we haven't thought of yet. So, um, you know, I, I can't come up with those reasons right now. But you know, if he's saying they they exist, I'm going to trust him because that's his job. It's not my job, right? So, no, I know. I, it just there's some conflicting information here, and I don't know if we're conflating two different two different things here. Like, is Very it? Tough. You know what I mean? So yeah. So I'm just I'm gonna let it leave it here that it seems really confusing, um, but I feel like at some point this is gonna go away and there's gonna be no problem doing it. But that's exactly. just my guess. But okay. Any updates? The Antioch Spring Poker Classic and Antioch Poker Tour Series at Hiller River Hotels and Casinos Viquiva near Phoenix runs March 23rd to the 31st. The 10 event series features a four flight, $360 buy-in main event with a 75 k guarantee prize pool, the winner of which will appear on the cover of Antioch Magazine and get an entry into the Antioch World Championship. Other events include a women's championship, horse and Omaha 8, as well as a team rebuy, bounty, and six max events, and pending approval, a short deck event. For more information, visit antiochmagazine.com slash River. That's G-I-L-A-R-I-V-E-R. Our 2019 Antioch Poker Cruise schedule includes an eight-night Southern Caribbean adventure and two shorter weekend cruises. Passengers on all sailings get a one-month membership to advanced poker training and a quick reference poker odds card from thegamblingschool.com. 
And we love hearing from our fans. So if you have a hand of the week, listener spotlight, or call the floor submission, email us at podcastandantiupmagazine.com or post in the Annie Up Fans group on Facebook. Hey, you know what? We got a new O'Malley's move. I love that. Here it comes. Hello, and welcome to another O'Malley's Move. I am Malcolm O'Malley. This week we are playing in a $2, $5, no limit hold'em home game. This is a pretty serious home game, but it's also friendly. We usually play three to four hours, and this hand occurred roughly two and a half hours into the night. The game is seven-handed. The blinds post, the under the gun makes it $20 to go. This player is a tight, aggressive player. We can narrow his range down considerably. Based on what we know about him, He's doing this with big aces or pairs over nines. He started the hand with roughly 1,000. We get a caller from the MP, and it's folded to us on the button with $945 and the 8 of hearts, 6 of hearts. I like this spot. We have a predictable player raising from the end of the gun with a defined range and a hand that could flop big or be easy to get away from if we miss the flop. Not to mention the pot sweetener from the MP, we call the small blind calls. He is a solid but tricky player. He started the hand with 1100. He plays aggressively when it suits him, but isn't afraid to push the action with draws, single pairs, or air on occasion. He's good at playing the players and usually knows where he stands. The big blind folds. The pot is $85 and the flop is the king of hearts, queen of hearts, ten of hearts. The small blind leads out for $50 into the $85 pot. After some thought, the under the gun folds. The MP folds quickly. I like this hand, especially since our opponent probably didn't flop a higher flush. He may have the ace of hearts, and if that's the case, I want to get value from his draw. We make it 200 to go. After a short time of thought, our opponent calls. The pot is now 485, and the turn is the seven of diamonds. Our opponent now leads out for 300. He has 880 to our 725 at this point. So, is this the value street, or are we going to let him lead out the river as well? What's the move? It's time for the AdvancedPokerTraining.com Hand of the Week. Send your hands or situations to podcast at antiupmagazine.com. If you want something from us in the past year, you'll get a free membership to Advanced Poker Training, the world's number one poker training site. And I think we got a first-time uh, submitter here this week, Chris. Uh, Kasana, Kasana. Oh, boy. <laughs> wow. I couldn't wait for this part of my morning. I w- first part out. Uh, Kasana. Oh, wow. This one's hard. This I'm, not hard. Even, I'm not even going to try to help you. <laughs> All right. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's going to let you keep going. <clears throat> he says, uh, sitting at a 1-2 table, uh, my second cash game ever played. I'm a winning player online in the micros, and I've played a lot there. I've only ever played live in tournaments. I'm a winning player in those, too. However, for my first game last week, I was terrified. I'm just diving into a whole new pool here. Uh, last week, I won $98 and only two hours playing tight aggressive, so I feel confident but still very worried about losing my stack. This is my full cash bankroll for now. And I'm still a young millennial, poor mother fudger. But he didn't say. <laughs> Did you ever see that uh, that TV show with Ted Danson and Kristen Bell? Uh, yeah, the the good, good, the good, the good, 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 no, the good something. And they good and something. they and they can't swear 
because they're in quote heaven. Yeah. And so she keeps saying, "Why do I keep saying Mother Fudger when I'm trying to say Mother Fudger?" I'm, mother fudger i'm trying to say mother fudger why why can't i say mother fudger mother fudger <laughs> to keep saying it over and over and over i don't watch the show but i saw that clip and that made me that's laugh my butt off. yeah i'll do it for that <laughs> so that's what it sounded like when you just said that oh man all right he says i've been uh uh sat for only a half an hour and witnessed a crazy table of about 15 hands different from last week which is very loose uh but scared in bad play half of the hands have involved in all in wow five rebuys already and two knockouts Wow, crazy. Okay. It's my second hand after winning a small hand. I sit with $157, and I cover the remaining table stacks. Wow, what a one-two table, and the 157 is the big stack on the table. And we're certain – oh, oh, you said it's a one-two table in the beginning, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Wow, crazy. Jeez. Um, And uh, he's in middle position, uh, under the gun, limps, uh, two players fold, and we look down at the ace of clubs – Ten of spades. Ah, the Casenza. <laughs> um, it's interesting. I mean, this is a crazy table, so you either have to make you have to make your decision. You're going to play tight and wait for the hands, or you're going to be loose and you're going to play a lot. That's up to you now. At that point, you have to decide what player you're going to be, and then make you know your decision. So, in this case. We have everyone covered, and it seems like people are playing all kinds of hands. So I'm never really comfortable playing a lot of hands, um, mostly because I'll start to get reckless, and then I will make a mistake, and then it costs me a lot. And So most of the time, I look down at these types of hands and let them go at these types of tables um, because I just don't know what these people are going to do yet. So I really want to have the goods when I'm playing against them. And then once I've established, because, I mean, he's only been there a little while, so um, I'd like to I'd like to let this hand go. Uh, I, I just don't see. And plus we're in middle position with ace-10, I mean, and it's offsuit. It's not a great hand. It's just not. Um, it's one thing if everyone folds to you and everyone behind you is, you know, just stones and they just fold to anything and you can steal the blinds or get heads up with somebody and have position, then it's like it's a decent hand. But we're looking at middle position with a couple of limpers and crazy table. So uh, generally, I'm going to let this hand go uh, nine out of ten times in this situation. So I'll just let you know what I'm going to do. Okay. I think I'm going to do the same thing. I um, This table kind of worries me a little bit. I mean, uh, when it sounds like half the hands are both all in, um, now, of course, that could be a factor of the fact that everybody's playing super short here. You yeah, know, we're yeah. At the table cover 157, that might not necessarily mean that everybody's crazy. Playing crazy just means that they may not have enough money to actually play their hands properly. Because right? there are poker rooms that will have you a $40 minimum buy-in at a 1-2. doesn't always yeah, have to be 100 exactly. 200 So there you go. you got guys who just love to chase uh, you know, draws. So, yeah. So let's go. But I'm going to assume it's a, it it is a little crazier than normal, um, and this is not a hand that I like to get involved in in a, in a crazy um, game um, in this position. I mean, you're right. I mean, if it's on the button or something like that, that's a different story. But we're in middle position. We've got five more players to act after us. Um, I, I would just rather not get involved in this. Now, if I am, I'm obviously going to raise because I'm first in, and I do have an ace, and it, it could flop. Uh, Broadway, which is probably our, our best case scenario, 
but um, this is not a hand where I want to raise and then get re-raised re and re-raised all in and get back to me and, and have to fold because I can't call at that point, right? Right. So, I would much rather just fold here. I mean, this is a great thing about cash, and I think this is a thing that people that, that play a lot of tournaments, which is our hero here, does, right? Right. Um, forget about cash. Is cash, you're you're never in, there's no urgency in cash ever. Um, you know, the blinds never go up. Uh, there's no time, there's no clock. You can get up and leave anytime you want. So in that case, you're allowed to be choosier about your your hands that you play and how you play them. Whereas tournaments, you know, you're eventually, if you get too choosy, you're going to end up being blinded out. So here we have no urgency to play this hand. Um, so therefore, I have no reason I want to play it. So I'm going to fold. Yeah, I really want to get to know these people a little better. And also, too, sometimes you get a wave of, you know, of people who come and go at these tables. He already said, I think, two people were knocked out. So yeah, yep. it's not a tournament. They're just gone. So eventually this table could sort of normalize and then you'll say all right this is a situation where i could limp with this or or whatever but in this case you just have no idea what these people are going to have um and if they're limping then they could have absolutely anything so how comfortable are you going to be when you flop that ace or you flop that 10 you know with a nine or something so you know it's just it's something that you need to really say you know what i'm going to make better decisions and i'm going to have fewer decisions to make later on when I play the right hands at the right time in the right position. And I don't think this is it. So let's let it go. Yeah. And to be clear, I mean, there are, there could be tables after I've been there a long time where I would play this hand and I would raise or I would limp with it. But from what we know about this table now, this is just not one of those cases. So exactly. It's all about knowing the table and we don't have enough information. So, um, all right. Uh, hero limps. Um, but he says, uh, he will fold to a raise. So he's taking a $2 flyer that he'll get, get to see a flop here. Right. It says ace-10 off is marginal. I could get a good small pot against a smaller ace and run away facing aggressive bets. Uh, the hijack limps, uh, as does the button, and the small blind, and the big blind checks. Wow. So, one, two, five of us? Jeez. Uh, five of us see a flop. Uh, seven of spades, nine of diamonds, ace of hearts, and it's checked to us. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, um, well, I, there's an argument for both checking and, and betting because the check could be like, you know what, you just have no idea what anybody has, and you want to see who wants to be aggressive, and then maybe you've picked up something on that person that would indicate that there's no way they have you beat or something. So it depends on the people if you know them well enough. And then there's a there's obviously, hey, as Scott likes to say, let's find out where we are and bet. And then if you make a small bet, it may look like you're stealing it, but they may say, ah, you know what? Somebody had to have an ace here. I'm not one of them. I'm letting it go. You might get somebody to just call along. Who knows? Um, there are, There is a small draw out there, I guess, since it's rainbow. Somebody could easily have something like 6-8, you know, 5-6, um, because it was limped, and the small blind got in, the big blind's in. So you may think to yourself, maybe i got to protect my ace, and I want to bet it here to make sure that no one just hits their straight for free on the turn. Um, so I don't know. I feel like if I'm playing this, I'm probably going to bet it, but it's going to be a small amount. I'm just going to try to steal this pot with the best hand, which sounds funny, but that's what we're doing. So there's probably like 10 bucks in this pot, and I would probably bet like 10 Just I know it's pot size. But I'm not going to overbet the pot because it's a small bet. So I'm probably just going to bet 10 and then 
and see if somebody wants to say, oh, yeah, I don't believe you, here's 30. Or if somebody calls and then checks again, maybe we check behind and gauge the river. But in this case, it feels like, I don't know, it feels like it's a crazy table. That's the thing that's afraid. But then again, you don't want to lose value for your top pair decent kicker. Um, I don't know. I, I'm probably going to bet 10 bucks. I, I'm willing to bet 10 bucks, and then if somebody goes crazy over the top, I'll be like, you know what, it's ace-10. I'll let it go You know, until I get the better grasp of this table. Um, all right, so one correction, I realized uh, I misread the under-the-gun limp preflop, so we actually weren't first in on that, So, but okay. sorry. All it was right. a good discussion of what we would have done had that happened. But anyhow, so the other gun is in. Um, so not knowing that, I don't think that really changes what you're saying because, you know, half the field is already checked to us on this flop, and we're sitting here with an ace. So I think you absolutely have to bet, and I like I like the pot size bet that you mentioned. So 10 or it might be 12 bucks now because there's six, right? Yeah. Um, uh, gotta take a stab now. We got an ace. We had a couple people. No one seems excited about this. And um, you know, if we get raised, I'm looking at. I mean, it's rainbow flop, so no one's raising us on some kind of flush draw, trying to get a free card. Um, you're right. The small blind and big blind could be on cards that um are looking for a straight here. So I'm gonna bet, and um, you know, hey, if it, everybody folds, and I get twelve bucks for. Limping in with a marginal hand, that's great. Yep. Uh, I guess we'll have to see what happens after that. So. Yep, yep. All right, our, our hero says, I decided to check and see if any players behind want to put in any money. I want to check to assess strength and the general table enthusiasm for representing a hand. I've seen this happen every hand so far, and I believe a raise will happen further down. Hmm. Uh, I don't know what feel you're going to get if everybody checks around, and then a eight comes. That's yep. going to be... Although at that point then we're open ended, right? So maybe that helps. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, it could be five. Six. Yeah, if a six comes, you're looking or at eight. F- yeah, I don't know. Or five. Well, yeah. May not be a lot of bad cards that come here. So I guess we'll see. Um, let's see the uh, hijack checks behind us, but the button bets fifteen dollars into a ten dollar pot. So there are five people. Huh. Interesting. Well, it could be the casino took its rake already or whatever. Oh, that's true. That's player true. player, that's true. player money. That's correct. You're right. Um, small blind, big blind, both fold, but the other gun calls, and it's back to us. And before you answer, he says a quick word about what I've been able to observe about the remaining players. Under the gun player is a, gen- a generic, middle-aged, white guy, passive calling station idiot. <laughs> I don't remember being in this hand. Uh, involved in every hand so far, donating to the table. Uh, the hijack is the only other young guy at the table. He seems to go hard with a big hand, but is not involved otherwise. The button has been involved in one other hand, and he raised every street, losing the hand. Otherwise, his uh, limps and blinds have been folded, followed by a fold. So, uh, $15 to us now. Well, wait. It's very important to know, what was the ethnicity of the young guy? Yes, that's true. We don't know. Because we know the middle-aged guy was white for some reason. I don't know. Poker is a game of Chris. <laughs> oh, jeez. Um... All right, so I'm thinking that if he believes the under-the-gun guy is just somebody who calls along, that guy, you know, he's under the gun. He could have limped with a baby ace that was suited, hoping to make a flush. Um, He could have limped with a small pair that maybe now he's thinking uh, these guys are just trying to steal it or I could, for such a small price, could hit my set on the turn or something like that. So I don't know if that's the guy I'm worried about. Now, the button is somebody that could just be playing position, seeing everybody checked in an unraised pot, and there's an ace there, I'm going to try to steal it. Um, But he could also be the guy that limped in at the end saying, hey, 
I got the odds to call with these baby connectors here, and maybe he's got something like 6'8", and now he's trying to bet to steal it, and if he doesn't get he's going to get a free car in the river to make it straight. So there's a lot to think about when you're in this situation, but I, I'm, I'm probably going to call to see the turn um, because I was willing to bet 10 anyway to take it down. So 15 with another person already calling 15. I got a decent ace. But this is how we get into trouble. This is how we lose money. I'm not willing to put a ton of money in now after this. So even if another ace comes, I'm going to be skeptical. Um, yeah. And I, I think one of the things that I accidentally realized when I was worried about cards is that, you know, there could be a card that comes that gives us a straight draw, which is nice. Um, and the fact that the blinds are out of the way now, I'm not worried about anybody remaining in this hand. Um having a, a smaller straight that might get there before us. So, you know, I, I think this is a reasonable um, investment to make, the $15, um, and then see what happens on the turn. Yeah, I'm going to want to pick up something else to get invested in this. Like, if it's a yeah. 10, a 10 could be the worst card for us, too, though, because Correct. it could be 6-8, you know what I mean? So we got to worry about something like that. But, yeah, I'm going to call and see what happens. I, I'm going to be skeptical the rest of the way, though, because I've got – what it seems to be both ends of the spectrum here that I'm playing with. I'm playing with somebody who could have been stealing, but could have been just getting into the hand because he had position in baby cards. So now he's looking for the free card. And it could have been somebody else who's just sitting there with his, you know, little baby pair or his random ace, and he could suck out with two pair on me or something. So, you know, I got to make sure that I'm I'm paying attention, uh, even though I'm willing to make this $15 call. All right, right here it says, uh, easily call with top pair and a decent kicker. Uh, playing this hand passively is, I believe, the aggressive button will keep betting. And just in case I'm beat, I don't want the hand to become too big. Right. Uh, hijack folds. Um, all right, so our chip stacks now, we have 140. Under uh, the gun player is 90, and the button has 130. The turn is the eight of clubs. Uh, so our board now is, let me find the... <laughs> Seven of spades, nine of diamonds, ace of hearts, Eight of clubs. See, that's yeah. why I write things down. Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah, it was. It was. <laughs> There's a lot of discussion in between the cards. There. Yeah, scroll up to find. So. Um, and the other gun checks to us, so it's on us. Well, this is what we feared. We feared a card that would come. That okay, now it gives us a straight draw, but it also completes a straight draw. Five six is a very, very easy hand for a button who's in position and a limp board to have, and a person who just bet to try to hit his gutter. So, or to steal it, you know, if, I, if I'm wrong and I don't get it, I might hit my gutter. And he does. Now, we have a straight draw, so we're not going anywhere now. Um, plus, we have top pair. So, uh, I'm not going to go anywhere, but I don't know if I'm going to bet either. Because this yeah. guy was willing to bet. And what if he does have the straight and we put out 30, and then he comes over the top for 150, and now we're like, we're all in. You know, whatever he has, 100 or whatever. What did he say he had the 130? So, uh, one th- so, yeah. Yeah, so now we put in 30 or 40, and then this guy comes over the top for the rest of it. I'm not getting it all in with ace, crap, kicker, and then maybe a straight draw with one card to come. So I'm probably still going to check and call for anything reasonable. Yeah. I think I, I agree. I, I want to um, – you're right. I, I, I like how this hand improved now, uh, but not enough to, to take, uh, take the lead on it. So uh, I'm not worried about giving a free card because a free card could actually help me. Um so if if the the button was taking a stab now, um, slows down. That's fine too, uh, but I, I don't want to poke the bear here, and um, I'll let him bet and call his reasonable bet, and uh, we'll see what the the river brings us. So I agree. 
Um, all right, our hero says, I look at the aggressive button. He seems enthusiastic to bet again. So I check to him, and he bets $20. Under the umpire calls, back to us. Oh, I like that. I'll call that every day. That's nothing. Yeah. I mean, it's $5 more on the last street, and now we've improved our hand. So. Yeah. And we're all being passive, so it looks like we're all drawing. So we're probably not going to get any value on the hand if we hit it. But I'm willing to take that free 20 from the under the gun, too. So. <clears throat> Absolutely. Let's see what happens on this crazy river now. I always hate a passive hand. <laughs> I know. It comes alive on the river, right? Uh, all right, let's see. Uh, oh, okay, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I call uh, I call considering a straight here to be rare, sticking around, raising with a 5-6 jack-10 or 6-10. Seems wacky to me. But I might consider more likely from the aggressive button is possibly a 6-8-8-10, which now gives them a pair or possibly two pair, which I'm worried about. Um, the river is the ace of diamonds. So our final board is, as I scroll up, <laughs> seven of spades, nine of diamonds, ace of hearts, eight of clubs, ace of diamonds, under the gun checks to us again. Yeah. Um, here's the deal. I, that could have boated somebody. That could have just meant nothing to anybody but us. It could have made the end of the gun guy have three aces too, although he did check, which is interesting. I don't know if the end of the gun would have that, but maybe he does still. I don't know. Uh, but he said something earlier about five six not sticking around or raising or something like that. Yeah. To me, I love to play five six suited on the button. I love it, especially when everyone's limping in, and then I could do whatever I want with those cards. I could represent right. anything. So if he's aggressive and he's on the button and none of you raised, he could have any two cards. Five six is very, very much like in this guy's range, and he played it exactly like five six would. He limped in, and then when he had his gutter, he saw everyone checked and was weak to him. He that's what he the reason he played the button. The whole reason you play it is so that you have position and you take advantage of this every once in a while. He takes advantage of it. You all call instead of re-raising him or raising him. And then now he gets his free card on the river if he misses the turn. Instead, he hits the turn, and now you improve twice, basically. You improve to stick around for the straight draw, and now on the river you've hit trips with a mediocre kicker and another guy in the hand. So I would never not put him on 5-6. So while I've hit three aces, and it's nice... I'm still going to be cautious. I don't think I'm going to create any action here. I'm going to let the action come to me and make a decision, uh, especially since we have the guy in between. That's nice. That way it may go smallish bet, call, and then you can just call and make twice the amount of money than if you were heads up and force somebody out of this hand. So I'm thinking I'm just going to I'm going to check, and I know that there are people out there who have all these reasons for betting, but to me – I'm just, this guy's going to want to get it all in with me if he's got a straight, and what am I going to do? Call all in with trip aces and a 10 kicker uh, with two other people in the hand? I, I just, I don't really trust my hand that much. This is why we don't play ace 10 middle position in a limp pot with crazy people. Yeah. Um, so, and we have to keep going back to that. Aggressive button, crazy people. Someone out there has trip aces with a 10 kicker beat um, a lot of times in that kind of situation. So, if it's a marginal bet, and somebody call, and the other guy calls, I'm definitely calling for value because that's a decent pot to win. you got a decent hand. But I'm not going to lose my stack on this. Yeah, I, I'm nowhere near as excited as I think probably other people were would be about this ace coming. You know, our hand approves, but 
Um, as you mentioned, it could have approved somebody else's hand better. Um, I, I was really kind of – I would have loved the uh, the low end of the straight to hit there. So we, we had the, the top single card there. That I feel a lot better about. Um, that being said, it's going to be tough for me to fold here. But, I, again, I'm not going to bet here. I'm going to – you know, if it checks behind and I win a pot and I miss a little value, that's great. Um, uh, but uh, I don't want to bet and then have it raised, re-raised, all that kind of crazy stuff going on and find right. out that I'm – Got the bronze medal. I'm losing to a straight and a, a higher trips, right? Right. So, um, all right. Our hero uh, checks, and he says, I face my worst nightmare. The button bets 30, and then the under the gun goes all in. It's back to me. Yeah, see, this is what I was afraid of. That under the gun player was just sitting there the whole time, calling, calling, calling. And those are the types of players that when they finally get aggressive after they've been passive their whole lives, you know something's up. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that we're, we're beating or losing beat. this guy. Yeah, that's that a real beat. problem, right? I mean, right. you could have a weaker ace and just be more excited than we are about the trips. Yep, so. and then you've got this button who's, like, licking his chops because he's already got the mage straight or he's already got a set, and now he's improved to a boat. You know, because you could totally limp with pocket seven. So there are other hands that we didn't even consider. Right. You know, we yeah. just let we just let uh, Kasanaya uh, yeah. tell, right. us, tell us what to say. And uh, so... By listening to his sort of, uh, you know, storytelling here, we've sort of gotten away from, okay, so what could an under-the-gun player have here? Could he have pocket sevens? Sure, he could have put pocket sevens, hit his set, and then milk it the whole way. So he could have us crushed. What could a button have here? Could a button have five six? Absolutely, but could he also have seven seven? Sure, he's not going to raise a seven seven. Everybody limps. He's set winding. Now that he's hit it, it's gotten to him. He's done everything the whole way. He's bet it the whole way. He bet it on the the flop he bet it on the turn and now he's betting it again on the river with the boat so there are a lot of hands that beat our trip aces with a 10 kicker and now that we've got one guy willing to bet into us three streets in a row and now another guy wakes up and then shoves now what did the under the gun let me i wrote down here somewhere already had 90 back on the, yeah so it's uh, it's it, the bet's 90 to us now so it, it's it's 90 to us um and, uh, they, or seventy, uh, right? Because he had he had ninety before the turn bet, and that was a twenty dollar bet. So it's seventy to us. Uh, I don't know. Do I yeah, am I willing to yeah. call seventy? Well, I had one hundred fifty seven to start the hand. I probably have. Well, we had one hundred four, so we had around twenty left. Seventy, so we'd only have fifty left. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Well, but here's the real problem, and you kind of alluded to it: is this is a, this is very Omaha-ish for me. This is the whipsaw, uh, whip yeah. not the buzzsaw. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we are in the middle here. I mean, w- we can't just consider calling what the under the gun bet because we've got a player behind us uh, that has bet every single street, um, and it, you know if he if he had a hand that was worse than ours, he wouldn't have bet this pot on the ripper right right i think at that point you know or he would have bet so much that you're really trying to freeze out the marginal hands um so he's got something and it very well has us beat um so i need to be worried about it's not just the other gun bet it's the other player going all in too in which we have him covered by ten dollars so we very well could end up with ten dollars in front of us by the end of this hand if we make this call, um, and it gets raised, and then we make that other call. 
And if we don't make that other call, then why are we making this call, right? It, yeah, two points I want to make. One, uh, don't forget, the under-the-gun just check-raised all in on the river with no cards to come. Right. So he checked to us. We checked to the better. The better bets. Now the guy shoves, and he's a passive player. Now, I'm not saying we had, we don't have him beat, but <clears throat> like you said, the other guy bet every single street. He could have checked it on the end with a marginal hand and then said, okay, I'm going to show down here. But he chose to bet again, and it, like you said, it was an amount where he wants to get called because no one's folding with a decent hand for $30. Yep. So we're beat here. I think we're beat here, and I'm letting it go. And the other point I wanted to make was, you know, we are a, a little biased because we kind of know how these hands go because that's why you're sending it to us because generally you don't win these hands because you want to know how you could play it differently and where you went wrong or whatever. So we kind of know you lost this hand. I don't know because Scott has the hand I don't. But we kind of know you lost this hand, so we had to have, we had kind of go in with that way. But that's a good way to go into poker, too, to have that little reserve and say, hey, is there a way I'm losing this hand? If this was the hand of the week, what would they turn over right now? Right? Yeah, I would say that you're better off trying to talk yourself out of a situation than talk yourself into the situation. Yeah. So much easier to talk yourself into a call or a raise in poker than it is to talk you out because you want that information, right? If you fold, you may not ever get that information. So, you know, if you're looking for one way to fix the leak in your game, that's what I would suggest is talk yourself out of situations rather than talk yourself in. Now, you're going to talk yourself out of good spots. That's what happens. But you're also going to talk yourself into bad spots. So, you know, it works out both ways. So, Yeah, 100% of all folds result in winning no money. (laughs) And that that bothers the hell out of you. So, you know, you want to, you talk yourself into a call. But in this case, I really feel like you take the information you've given us. A button is aggressive. It's a wild game. The buttons bet every street. Under the gun is passive. And he check raised his whole stack with no cards to come. Someone loves their hand and someone loves their hand. Okay? They both love their hand. We don't love ours. Let's get out and save our stack. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's very possible that under the gun has a weaker ace and is overvaluing, but it's the other player that has been strong the whole way. Um, you know, it's possible we have the best hand here, but you know, if you, I think if you run this through a, a calculator with everything we know here, um, the, the chances that we have the best hand here are weak. Yeah. So, yeah. not willing to wager my whole stack here. It's never easy to full trips, but. You know, it doesn't matter if somebody else has a better hand than you. So, yeah. yeah. Um, all right. So, our hero says, uh, this gives me a bad feeling, but I still feel good with trip aces now. Probably facing two pair, a weaker ace, or pocket pair, lower trips, or a mid pair. Yes, this crazy table seemed to be playing that badly, relying on very unlikely draws to win the pot sometimes. So, I go all in. All right, well, he's got more information than we do at the table there, but, you know, if the players really are that bad. I mean, this goes back to what I said at the beginning. We don't know when players keep going all in whether that means they are bad or aggressive or they're just playing with not enough chips to play properly. So, you know, if he's making the assumption based on what he's seen and we haven't seen it, that the players are pretty bad, that makes those calculations I just mentioned change a little bit. I don't know if it changes enough for me to go all in here, but... Um, it would change a little bit for me. So, um, and our hero says, I perhaps make a mistake and quickly go all in without taking a moment to reassess. If I fold, I still have a lot of money left and two players still in could have clued me in that I was beat. I figure I'm pot committed and getting good odds. So this hand is mine. 
the button. Um, I don't see how it's pot committed at no, all. I mean, not. at all. You have one hundred and twenty dollars left out of one hundred and fifty-seven. You put thirty bucks in. How are you pot committed? And pot committed to a seventy dollar over the top bet from a check raiser and a guy who's aggressive still left to act as basically you, you covered you know, the same amount as you almost. So, yeah, and that goes to the getting good odds. I don't know what the odds are. Yeah, you're, yeah, yeah. The odds seem pretty bad to me, but yeah, you're not pot committed. That's for sure. All right, the button uh, calls are all in and shows five, six, eleven <laughs> straight. Yeah. Under the gun had ace, deuce, idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Pick up my remaining seven bucks and leave. He says, my first bad beat in live cash play takes my whole stack, but don't worry, I'm not discouraged. I'll play again next weekend after I get paid. I'm now sitting with only $45 in the hole, and I've learned a lesson about buying size, crazy tables, and reacting to a gamble fest. Uh, Yeah, I mean, yeah, you, you learned a lesson today. I mean, one, don't play A's 10 at a crazy table in middle position unless you know those players. You've been there a long time. You know, uh, two... If they're telling you a story, listen. You know, I mean, okay, the under the gun could have easily had better trip aces than you. Could have had a boat. Could have he could have been really smart, and you don't know that. He could have been like, you know what, this guy is betting every street, and this other guy's calling every street. I have a boat here. You know, I'm gonna. I know he's gonna bet. Let him bet again, and then he gets it all in. And now you're looking at finishing third. You know, okay, so you finished second in his hand, but that's no consolation. You know, you had bus fare when you were done. Yep. So I mean, a lot. I think a lot of stuff here. You can learn a lot from this hand. A lot. Mostly that we don't know what the hell we're talking about. But <laughs> you, you, I think you learned that Ace Ten. Uh, I think we actually did. This was an example we we did know what we're talking about because I think we put both these players on the on the hands that they had. Yeah. You know, yeah. Very likely that this the button had the straight and has been betting the whole way, and that the other gun had a weaker ace and overvalued it. So yeah. yeah. You know, now we could have been wrong with that, but. Well, we were right. One, a broken clock is right two times a day. <laughs> uh, our hero goes on to say, the micros taught me that they probably have it if they're betting like crazy. I got unlucky with a river ace that locked my decision to stay in the hand. Even given all the analysis, I think I would have played it the same. But now I will always stop to rethink the entire hand whenever I'm faced with an all-in. I'm not yet brushed with how to handle a pure gamble fast and perhaps made the right decision for the for that kind of table anyway. Was it a bad beat? Did I play too passive here? Should I have made an aggressive bet on the flop? Uh, I think we answered all those. But um, yeah. yeah, an aggressive flop bet at the time was difficult. Twenty twenty hindsight, results oriented crap. Whatever you want to categorize it as. Yeah, you make a big bet there. At the worst, you're going to get heads up with the under the gun. You're going to win the hand. At the best, they're all going to fold, and you're going to take it down for. But, but here's $10. the thing: what's the big bet you could have made there? I mean, we both said we were going to bet the pot. So yeah, I know. What do you make it forty <laughs> into a ten dollar pot? So at ten bucks, the the five six isn't going to go with an open ended straight draw and in position. So, uh, I mean, you had we would have to bet something ridiculously crazy to get that player out, of, and and that doesn't make any sense unless you know that's exactly what he has, right? Yeah. I mean, why would you risk forty to win ten dollars? just on the off chance that the button has <laughs> open ended straight draw right now. It just doesn't make any sense. So, you know, I, I the hand wasn't going to go badly for you anyhow after that point. So I don't, I don't think any bet there was going to change anything. So yeah, I at mean, the end of the day, all your money got in and you lost it anyhow. So why does it matter when you bet it? Yeah. Yeah. Not good. All right. Well, the consolation is you're going to get something really cool from us. So that's right. And you learned a lesson and we know that Scott says mother fudger. <laughs> I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. We'll see you at the tables.
Anti Up is a production of AntiUpMagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at AntiUpMagazine.com or call our hotline at 206-338-6344. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at AntiUpMagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network. Music